Good afternoon, folks. This is Ron Stong along with Randy Burke, and our guest tonight will be Mr. Brett Neal. But we would like to tell you that we're brought to you by Alpha Insurance Agent, Talisa Shackles and Holly Pond, Walker Brothers for all your building supply needs in Bailington, Affordable Tire and Automotive in Welty, Traditions Bank in Coleman, Morgan, Blunt, and Winston Counties, Traditions Mortgage Company, Holly Pond Animal Clinic in downtown Holly Pond. Citizens Bank and Trust, they make a big difference. They're a small bank making a big difference. Hopper's Family Pharmacy and Market in Fairview. Mullins Body Shop on Highway 31 South in Coleman. Merchants Bank of Alabama. Randall Shedd, Alabama House District 11. Holly Pond Supermarket. The Rough House in Berlin. Farmers Poultry and Supply on Highway 157 in Coleman. Moss Service and Funeral Home on Highway 31 North in Coleman. Holly Pond Tire and Lube, downtown Holly Pond. And it's next door to Stewart's Auto Parts. Stewart's Auto Parts. Halls RV in Albertville. Heritage Dental, Dr. Brad McKinney in Oneana. Alabama Web Presses on Eva Road in Coleman. Dan Stevens with Alabama Health Guidance, Sullivan Photography and Travel, The Spirit Shop on Highway 31 North in Coleman, and The Awards Palace in downtown Coleman. Folks, we're glad you're listening in tonight. We're starting the school year off right. We've done had a couple of guests this year, but uh, this week we start uh, the school. It starts tomorrow, to be exact. They had open house today. Maybe Brick can tell us a little bit about it after Wait a minute, maybe Mr. Neal can tell us a little bit about it in a few minutes here. So uh, I'm joined with Randy and uh, Brett. And Randy, go ahead and get, get us started, buddy. Well, Brett, we appreciate you taking the time to be with us tonight. And one thing we're going to talk about, when a lot of, when we were in school, they would actually, the that once the players was uh, verified, they were eligible, the coaches would write up a roster with the jersey numbers that would be given back to the uh, office someone in the office would uh, type up a roster and then uh, put it on the copy machine and make copies of it that was put in the game programs and handed out to the other other schools but today it's totally different and we'll begin this process talking about with the advent of June basketball for the boys and the girls with the play dates than the July volleyball play dates. When you have your physicals now uh, has to be at the end of May because they run for one year. And Brett, explain a little bit of that as we walk our way through the process of becoming listed on the uh, Alabama High School Athletic Association roster. Well, I appreciate it, y'all. Um, and, you know, this is a process that uh, had kind of, you know, started underway here a few years ago, and it was actually something after I had uh, stopped coaching uh, back in 2014. So it's come, you know, come in in the midst of all this. But the process in rostering actually comes with tryouts. So prior to the summer dates, coaches are to submit to us a tryout roster that we're to enter into Dragonfly and verify that they have physicals and, you know, 
that they're taking care of in that regard. And then once the team is established, we can have a roster going into the summer. And so that those things, you know, requirements, most of that doesn't roll over until July 1st uh, for the upcoming year. But as far as summer play dates are concerned, we just make sure that they have a dragonfly profile once that they are on a, a, a tryout roster that the coach submits uh, to me. And then we follow up and just make sure that they're approved for that sport and that they have an up-to-date physical. And if they are uh, chosen to make the team, then they are good to go for the summertime. And then once July 1st comes around, then I'm going to start looking back and seeing what they lack and make sure those forms are up to date. Things like sportsmanship, uh, birth certificate, those, once they're uploaded, they're always there. But there are certain forms that have to be filled out yearly. Go ahead, Ron. Hey, Ron. Yes, oh, okay. Uh, I didn't hear you. I was like, Brett, you was talking about all of the information going into it and when you have to have it done. You know, it's a lot different than it was years ago. You just have to keep up with so much more stuff on a, a ball player. And I know they have to be registered for school 20 days prior to starting the school. Give us a little bit about the criteria of what it takes to qualify if a person moves from say Blunt County into Coleman County in the Holly Pond area, give the, the stats of what he has to do to get set up to play sports. Well, you had mentioned the uh, 20 days and, you know, enrolling within that period of time is the standard. But then once that time is passed, then you have certain things like the bona fide move where, you know, a student will have to physically move into the district to become eligible and so you know up to that point you know with the power school now connected directly to dragonfly they have student id numbers that are directly linked so that they can now see the transcript of their credits and their uh, grades so that they meet you know all the criteria that they have the uh, four core courses passed that they pass six credits and at certain grade levels that they passed a certain number of courses and then of course with an overall 70 average uh, so those things all come into play and they unless there is some kind of issue like for instance we've had here in uh, at least the two years that i've been looking at this trouble with dual enrollment classes or some wallace uh, courses that they may have taken where it's not showing up credit wise and so therefore impacting their uh, grade and uh, uh, credit numbers for we just will send you know with now principal Dr. Ayers we can now look at who's showing up without the credits even though we can verify on our end that yes they have the uh, correct amount or they have the required amount and so we just send a list to the state to verify that, yes, these people are eligible academically so that they will go in there. And last year, they simply had, it was an override that they are approved by the state 
via uh, our our word. Okay, uh, you mentioned uh, overall average of seventy, which is passing. Can a person say taking tenth grade uh, math, any kind of trigonometry or whatever he's taking in tenth grade, can he fail the last half of that uh, and say have a, a sixty? But he on his other grades he he maintains a seventy five average and be eligible to play football starting in the eleventh grade, even though he had failed one subject in the past uh, grade. Uh, does that make good sense to ask? Can you can you fail the last half of a grade and then uh, start the new year? Does, does he have to go to summer school to be eligible, or is he eligible because he can make it up for his high school career is over? Uh, so one thing that has changed uh, in recent years is it is no those uh, basic classes. Uh, outside of health and some career prep classes, everything now is done on a year credit. So say, for instance, you made a 50 the first semester in your math class. If you made a 70 the second semester, you would have an overall year grade of a 60, which is passing. But of course, when combined with those other courses, you would still need to have an overall 70 average. So it's strictly by a full credit, no longer half credits in that in that room. Oh, okay. Uh, that's what I was asking. Could you fail one grade and still be eligible? That was me when I was in the 10th grade. I failed the uh, last half of 10th grade of, uh, English, and uh, I failed a lot of English. But uh, I was eligible to play eleventh grade year because I had an overall average of seventy. Uh, so I didn't know that. You have to have your four core passed, and yes, there are avenues to make that up. Uh, our county has offered a variety of ways. There's second chance. There's credit recovery. Uh, there's rebound, and uh, of course you have summer school uh, as an option as well. So there are avenues where they can fulfill those requirements and be eligible, but they do have to have the four core passed in a given academic year. All right, I'll go over the four core. We had uh, four uh, curriculars. We had to have 16 total, but we had four uh, major credits, then three minors. Three minors was like a PE or art class uh, when I was in high school. Go over the curriculum now that they have in school. And you have your four uh, math, English, science, and social science or history credits. That constitutes, again, the four cores. So that would be your 16 credits. Now you have a variety of classes that fulfill the other eight for a graduation, anywhere from one year of PE to so many electives, a half unit of health. Uh, you got your career prep classes. So there's you know different uh, ways to fulfill that, but uh, you know when it comes down to the the core, it's pretty standard now. Given dual enrollment opportunities for students. You have some that have 
actually fulfilled those requirements going into their senior year. Uh, you may have somebody that only needs English class or they may only need one more math or one more science, but they may have fulfilled it in some other. I know history is one of those, or social sciences, a subject that many have you know, completed before their senior year thanks to the dual enrollment where they can take history 201 and 202 as a 10th grader and get credit for 10th and 11th grade history. And so therefore, as a junior, they take they could take government economics and fulfill that. And some have pursued that with taking biology 103, 104 and completing in, you know, in that area. Uh, so, you know, there's, there, you know, if I would have had the opportunity to do that, I would have jumped all over that. But there again, we have to keep in mind, they, they build up these credits uh, quickly. You, you've got some that if they really pushed it uh, in, in this day and time of online classes and, you know, virtual opportunities that they could, in fact, graduate early. And I know that that's a storyline in many of the places across the country to get a jump uh, into college. So that, you know, it's, it's out there and available, but, you know, it's pretty standard what our requirements are. Uh, how many courses do we have at Holly? I know we're supposed to be talking about sports, but a lot of people are interested in what the players have to go through. Most of them don't know that the players that I know are always uh, 3.8 uh, average, you know. And uh, so they're smart enough. They don't have to worry about if they fail one class, what can they do to make it up and all and to stay eligible. But uh, go over uh, how many courses can they take at Holly Pond and still be eligible to get college courses like you're talking about the 202 math or history or whatever it was at Wallace. How many uh, classes can they take at Holly Pond and have college credits when they graduate? Do you know? Or, or this, how many I'm, hours? Yeah. How many hours would they have at Wallace if they took, took the uh, academic courses and Holly Pond. Well, just on those alone, and as we were offering calculus uh, on the math side, English 101, 102, and of course, history 201, 202, biology 103, 104. So just in those areas, those basic courses, <laughs> that would, uh, you know, account for 24 hours of college credit. And, you know, that's you know, for the for the most part, you're looking at somebody ready to launch right into a sophomore year upon graduation from here. Right. I know they have the dual enrollment. My granddaughter was on it. That whether they can go to Wallace their junior and senior year and graduate at Wallace and high school too to get credit. Uh, on average, the sports program, which you're pretty well over it. What is the average or have you averaged the grades on all of the sports players like uh do they come out with a 3.4 or 82 percent as a matter of fact uh we go to a a, a four a, uh like a 3.0 to a 4.0 uh, 4.0 being the highest what does our players average in there 
So overall, you'll see in comparison to just the standard student population that the athletes would generally have higher uh, GPAs in, uh, in that regard. Uh, they, of course, as, as a percentage, I would just be throwing a number out there, but I will say that you have quite a few that take advanced level or honors uh, level courses and take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, you know, especially those that are looking to go beyond in the athletic realm, that they're they're trying to take care of that side of things, and we see you know uh, quite you know quite a bit. I would say it's a it's a pretty good percentage, and you also have to take into account when you look at GPAs, a lot of those now are weighted in regards to you know certain honors classes and of course dual enrollment AP those would weigh heavier, you know, uh, in regards to overall GPA as opposed to just the standard class. Okay. Uh, next question up, uh, and Randy will probably have some too. NIL is big in college sports now. You know, it was started by uh, many of the states. The NCAA didn't want it, but states did. So they've uh, got the NIA, the name, identification, and uh, likeness for the sports players. Now, Gary Estes wrote an article on the college NIL uh, level in Business Alabama this week, and I'm trying to get him on our program before the football season's over about the NIL. How long do you think it'll be before it comes to high school? Well, we see the trend moving faster in that direction uh, because it was pushed away for uh, a period of time, and now we're here experiencing it. And just given the amount of revenue that sports and athletic programs generate, and we're not talking, you know, so much Holly Pond and, uh, you know, the smaller schools, but you do have quite a bit uh, of money that is poured into and coming in at your larger schools here in the state. So it's not something beyond the realm of uh, possibility in the near future. I mean, it's, it's, like I said, the trend seems to be speeding up in that direction. And they had even spoke about that at the athletic directors conference uh, that I went to in April. They, they mentioned, you know, kind of heading in that direction. They don't know the timeline and they were looking at legal aspects and so there's there's a lot that will go into it, and but I would say it's pro probably coming uh, sooner more than later. Well, you know the uh, state will control a lot of the state athletic association, and I'm going next uh, Tuesday to the media uh, days down in Montgomery, and uh, Ron Ingram asked, "What kind of questions do y'all want to ask Texas back?" And mine was. Uh, Give us an update on NIL because it has been talked about so much, not so much done or anything, and uh, what the state will have to do with it, the state legislature. Uh, I know that uh, the thing, I didn't know it come in from the state level. Uh, Randy had uh, the two people from Texas A&M we had on, Randy, uh, last year. You got one of them coming on in a week or two. What's his name? I've actually got uh, Louis Bellina. Uh, from yeah. uh, A&M, and also Olin Buchanan, who is the uh, 
the journalist and beat writer for Tech Sags. He's the number one journalist for them, and they'll both be coming on next Wednesday night at 7.30. Okay. Louis Valina and another gentleman, Randy, knows by talking to him a lot. Uh, last year they was on our program, and they went over the NIL in Texas. Of course, Texas has got tons of money, you know. And uh, we, we got into the conversation because Bryce Young had got the million-dollar NIL, and uh, Saban was talking about how, how the Texas A&M could buy plenty of players because of the NIL. And uh, it was a pretty big discussion. And they talked about how it's affected uh, high school, uh, college football. And they said, well, the NCAA didn't want it, but the states themselves passed these laws. And uh, I was talking to uh, Garland Gludger and Randall Shedd both this weekend. And uh, we were talking about uh, they, they come in, the state did, and give the schools permission to go ahead and take cash. You know, they went to this ticket uh all the ticket sales where you have the little app on your phone and you you go through which i like that because you ain't standing there giving out money they just show the phone and go on in and they'll have four tickets or whatever it is i like that part of course the state gets a dollar of the money but uh now they've uh, passed in the state legislature where that uh, if the school wants to, they can go ahead and charge the people cash, especially a lot of the older people. They got a lot of complaints. Uh, the uh, Senate did on that, and uh, I like that part about it, that they did change that. But I feel like they will get involved on uh, NIL before it's over with. How do you feel about it? Do you think the state will, uh, will put the things, or do you think the Alabama High School Athletic Association will try to draft the uh, rules and regulations? Well, you know, you're, you're right about it starting at the legislative level, but yeah. I could see that, you know, with certain affiliations and uh, connections that the high school association might pursue that opportunity to make, you know, contracts and enter into different agreements to get a, a cut of all that. And I know you were mentioning GoFan in regards to the ticket sales. Right. And yes, that was, man, that was a point of contention. And I understood, especially with uh, the older population going there, right. not even have some, not even having a cell phone and knowing what an app is. And I'm not trying to generalize. I'm just saying that was the reality of it. And, you know, especially when it came to playoffs, uh, you know, where everything was shifted in that direction. And I, you know, it, it's one of those things where I would I would not want to turn any person away, especially uh, somebody to see their grandson or granddaughter playing, uh, you know, in that opportunity. So I I'm, I'm know that it was a, a big thing for, you know, to allow the schools to just take uh, cash for admission. Well, hey, I, I mean, I love the app, even though I want the people to be able to pay cash at the gate. But uh, I've come in there where you'd have $10,000, and at halftime, you you took a deputy, and uh, you and a school official would go down and count the money and do all that. Well, you missed half the game just because you're counting money. And uh, 
that has really saved a lot, but uh, they do need to get in there. But I know the, so the state legislature had to go in and pass if uh, they could pay cash, and they've done that in this last session. And uh, I didn't know how they how they will get on NIL. Uh, uh, I keep saying NIL like everybody knows what that is. It's name, uh, image, and likeness, or that a uh, ball player regardless of the sport is real good and uh like bryce young from dr pepper and two or three others he got a million dollars to play football and that let him stay in college till he could graduate but it give him some money and uh I, I think it, but I just feel like it'll come to high school sports, but there's not that much money in high school sports in Holly Pond. They may be in your Coleman, your Arab, where you got the big city schools with uh, 2,000 population and you know, all kind of businesses right there together, you know. Um, I didn't know how you felt how you felt about it, if it's good, bad, or indifferent. Yeah, and I can see, I can see all of that in in different uh you know perspectives but for me it's just that we have now taken amateur athletics and you know and pretty much pushing it out uh from underneath you know you look back you start with the olympics and how that that transpired how that transformed uh, to taking professionals in with the dream team. I know that was just, whereas, you know, the U.S. was kind of the odd man out. All these other countries have been doing that for years. Uh, but now you've seen just the progression uh, making its way to college football and then high school is the next step. And I, there's different pitfalls and different, uh, you know, things that could be detrimental to the overall high school athletic experience. But then again, those with the, the money, the dollars, revenue flowing in, and, uh, you know, they can take advantage of that. Uh, you know, and I, it's one of those things where I just, I have a hard time seeing a high school player, you know, getting paid uh, just to play a sport where, you know, we just talk about playing for the love and the passion and you know the opportunity that you know the large percentage just get one chance at doing so and then there's those select few that that's going to be the future and my thought is that they're going to get paid off in the future you know in that regard so right. i just i i have a hard time accepting it but in the same token i i see it as a you know a reality fast approaching right well you know uh uh, NIL should have been around a long time ago, but uh, I remember Joe Paterno, which I was not a big Joe Paterno fan. He was the coach at Penn State for many years. Uh, Alabama had got uh, fined by the uh, NCAA, uh, and he was on this nightline or whatever the, the news was, and he was talking about players being paid. And uh, the, it came up. Alabama went to New Jersey to play in the kickoff classic uh, against Ohio State. It was when Mike Schuler was there. I don't know if you remember that part. Or not. Anyway, they had had a football player that died with a heart attack uh, while practicing, and he was from LaGrange, Georgia. Well, they held his funeral until 
Sunday afternoon, and the Alabama football players flew into LaGrange, attended the funeral, the whole team did, and then they flew them on uh, back to uh, Tuscaloosa. Well, the NCAA fined them, said you can't carry players somewhere uh, for personal reasons. And Joe Paterno was saying this is terrible that they that the NCAA would take some nitpicky stuff like this uh, and choose it, and it just happened to be Alabama, and it happened to be Joe Paterno doing the talking. He said, what I don't like is the federal government can give uh, pale grants to our football players, which at that time is about twenty-two or $2,300 a, a year. Uh, even though they got a full scholarship, the government can give them a pale grant of $2,200, but said the rest of the team uh, said they can't get $2,200. It's illegal. They'll find you and do everything else. He said, so we need some kind of compensation for the team. He said, when they first start out to freshman and sophomore year, it's not too bad. He said, some of those boys, at, uh, if they're a five-year uh, player, that uh, if they're redshirted one year and play five years, some of them is already married and got kids and their wife's having to work. And he said, it would really be nice for us to at least give our players $2,200 to match the Pell Grant money. So many years ago, uh, they should have had NIL then to help pay for some of the players. I'm glad they got it because these college students, uh, like Joe Paterno said, uh, by the time they're juniors and seniors, they're, they're married, and some of them's already got a kid before they graduate, but they're still playing ball for the university now. Mm-hmm. And that situation reminds me of the saying, no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> right. That's, that's, yeah. what, that's what I think of when you were telling me, you know, telling me that. Well, that may have been before you was born, Brett. It was many years ago, but I know the NCAA has been a thorn in, I say a thorn in the side. They've had such strict rules on us, and then the the states come out with the NIA, and even though they didn't like it, they had to accept it. But uh, a lot of them now, uh, I believe it was uh, Louis uh whatever his name is uh, that you're talking about from Texas, said that the Oklahoma softball girls team, some oil company firm, uh, gave all the players on the team, just because they were girls softball players, uh, like $8,000 a year on that NIL, which really helps them out. And I thought that was pretty nice. The oil company and the fact that those kids that's playing college football, it's, you know, there's an old saying, uh, in college, I ate Raymond noodles all my uh, four years in college, and most of them do. They don't all go down there with a pocket full of money. Uh, they have to eat light. And they're on a budget now. So uh, I'm glad to see some of them getting some money. But I don't know how it's going to be in high school. Yeah. Uh, it was understandable on that end. That argument had validity in, in, in that regard. I I just had a hard time accepting it on the high school level. So, it, like I said, it, it's one of those things that will be, you know, having to be addressed in the, in the future and probably in the near future. Right. Well, I think they'll do it like the Oklahoma softball girls did, though. Company give that group of people all X amount of money. And it was the same, which most 
football coaches or basketball, most coaches, period, would want the same thing for every player they got on the team. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know how uh, Bryce Young and uh, Nick Saban handled the fact that uh, he got a million-dollar contract and some of the others didn't because uh, some of the news media was making a joke about it. Since uh here, Nick Saban's making a lot of money, but how do you tell a man making a, a, a million dollars a year what to do? And, uh, you know, it's hard to boss a guy making a million dollars a year. <laughs> yeah. But, well, Brent, tell us, a, hey, I, I, I'm not taking Randy's part. He'll talk to you in a minute. <laughs> tell us about what you expect this year out of our team, football, basketball, baseball. You know, we had, last year, we had a remarkable basketball season. I mean, we didn't win the state or nothing, but our boys done very well. In uh, our uh, baseball team, we went from five games the year before last to seven this year. And I got an inside track. We're going to go over 500 from uh, <laughs> from the coach. You know, that's what he says anyway. And yeah. Yeah, and uh, the, but they have some, they have some good athletes, and they've got some that's coming out. You know, the little Dunn boy that uh, was at Fairview last year, he's going to be playing football this year, and uh, his brother's wanting to play baseball, and I think he will too. And this year, uh, did his brother sign up to play football? Yes, yes. Okay, uh, Tucker Dunn. Uh, I think they told him last year. Uh, he couldn't play because his brother played at Fairview or something. That, that was given some kind of reason, but uh, this year they don't have no reason. Uh, they'll both be down there playing. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, so on the football end, you know, looking at it, you know, our challenge, uh, first and foremost, when someone looks at the roster, is numbers. Right. Uh, we're, you know, at a situation where you're in the upper 20s and here with school starting we we're always hoping that a few other kids you know after they talk to some other kids and some coaches have an opportunity to speak with them in the hallway that you know maybe they'll want to join in but you know given our our region uh and the performance last year with the same challenges also you know but you have a lot of key people returning. You got several uh, starters returning on both sides. And in talking with the coaches, they were excited uh, in that even with the numbers that they were looking to fill people that only having to play one way. And I mean, that's a huge difference than in other years where you've seen half of the uh, people having to play both ways uh, for a full game and you just run out of gas. In that, in, in that, so I know that we have some people in place. We've got a coaching staff that's excited, bringing energy. Coach Mason already doing a tremendous job, and you know, in my perspective, and uh, getting people excited and fired up about what's to come. And I know with again our particular matchups that we should be right there competitive because we were last year in those same matchups. Uh, so it's not something out, you know, out in left field to expect that. 
so we're we're you know high expectations in that regard. Uh, volleyball, uh, another sport that's going to get underway here pretty soon, is another program that you know went very far there to the uh, regionals last year, and you lose one player out of that, you lose one senior, and everybody else returning combined with those now going to contribute uh, from the JV level and a transfer. So you've got a volleyball program that sky's the limit. I know the expectation's high uh, in anybody looking at it. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where you got Coach Adams doing a tremendous job that she's done. Uh, and just they keep moving forward. I, they, they, I know that they've been working hard, and they they expect big things. And so that I think that'll be a, another good run here in the fall cross country. You got people lined up, uh, lose no one basically uh, from that group, and Coach Cuz has added a few more. Uh, ready to run, and they they did very very well uh, last year. Performance, uh, especially a few individuals, but as a team, they they scored high, finished high in, in several different meets. Uh, and then, of course, basketball season as you move in uh, for the boys side, Coach Willoughby takes over, and he is, I mean, he was doing a very, very good job there in the, uh, at the end of school and into the summer play dates trying to, you know, just teach and get, you know, people on board with what he's trying to get across. And uh, I thought that they performed in the games that I got to watch them play that they did extremely well. And I know he was uh, excited in that regard. Uh, so the you know expectations high, especially after making the run and having to disappoint in the end. Even though you know it's not disappointing to make it to that sub-regional round, but when you feel like you should you know be moving on, I know it was a it was a tough blow uh, given the season that they had. And then of course on the girls' side and make it all the way to the regionals, had a good run. I know that there was times they struggled with injuries. Uh, and you know, people having to be put in places that you know might not have been uh, as experienced or had as many reps, but they they grew into it. So the young ones now have experience in that. And Coach Hartline is I know worked them very hard, uh, ready to go, and they have again high expectation uh, for where they're at. And given our area matchups, that, that that's rightly so. That, that they look to uh, copy and maybe exceed what they did last year. And of course, moving moving into you know Springside, got baseball, which I know the wins and losses definitely didn't look like they wanted it to, but a strong finish. Uh, they finished a lot better, especially with a lot of younger guys that didn't have a whole lot of experience. Now that they're coming in. They've added a lot of a lot of young kids. Uh, you had a, a tremendous amount of seventh and eighth graders trying out, and wanting to be a part, and I'm I'm glad that they're going to get that opportunity. As a matter of fact, they're going to have not just varsity and JV, but also a junior high squad. So I know they're looking to get games scheduled uh, for that and get those young kids reps because that's where the program's going to be built is with that younger group. 
and so they're going to have a good, a good opportunity to do so. Uh, softball, uh, this we're, and it's one of those things where we're right there ready to get a coach in place, just need to get it approved uh, with uh, our side of that. And I know the girls that come out and try it out there in the springtime, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a core group. Uh, it's some that has a lot of softball experience. Just need to find a few missing pieces and, you know, get coaches in place where they're going to work them and, you know, challenge them. Um, I know that they they had a, a, a good season and want to, you know, do even better. And have I think they have a, a good chance to do so. So, you know, with that and then, of course, track, I mean, you got some of those same athletes from the other sports taken in from football, cross country, basketball, baseball, and crossing over. And same thing on the girls' side. That they, uh, I think that they'll be showing out. You got several ready to medal when it comes to regionals, and then the state meets, and they they did that last year. So, I'm, and those people, you know, didn't graduate. Uh, those are, you know, underclassmen that are now coming into it yet for another year. And I, I see the Holly Pond track program making a mark uh, as far as being recognized on the state level. So in, in regards to athletics, I, I just, I can tell you on my side, it just looks positive. I know that expectations are always high in different areas and, and, and such, but I think these are justified. I think the expectations are something that should be realized, uh, given the amount of uh, talent and uh, coaches and the work ethic and attitude that I've seen out of many. I think sky's the limit. Well, you know, uh, you mentioned the girls' sports, starting with volleyball. We've got a senior class that every once in a while a school is blessed to have them. And uh, we've got the girls playing volleyball, basketball, and softball. That's uh, and some of those are running track too. But those that uh, girls in the senior class this year, uh, they're outstanding. Plus, there's plenty of them. You know, they've been playing together since they were young. Uh, the this basketball, to give you an example, uh, basketball. Randy and uh, Kevin Tankersley. When uh, they had uh, the third grade girls, they coached, and we, uh, me and uh, Riley Yaker broadcasted that Randy and Kevin was playing in the championship against each other because Holly Pond had two girls teams, and those girls are just come on. Uh, you know, we've got, uh, of course, uh, we got Macy Black and uh, uh, Ellie Burks, uh, Randy's daughter. Uh, we got Emma Earl. Uh, that's uh, a great athlete. Uh, we got uh, Cameron uh, Tankersley and uh, Macy Black. Oh, Lauren Hoffman. You've got, uh, and I may have missed somebody, but you got those five girls that's as good an athlete as they are in the state. We just need to get it together. And you mentioned Coach Hartline. She brought a bunch of enthusiasm and motivation to them when she stepped on the court, those girls play for her hard, or she's always had her girls playing hard, but those girls that came out there last year, 
they was ready for Coach Hartline, and uh, they knew her uh, past history of what kind of coach she was, and uh, she's just downright nice, you know, to play for. And, and you mentioned that group, and, and I will attest that not only are they uh, standouts on the court and on the field of play, but they are outstanding students in the classroom and in the community. I, I, I would highly, uh, you know, give them utmost uh, appreciation and regard just from an observer through the coaching side and from, of course, from the teacher and just community member, that those are people that will contribute for a long time to come. Oh, yeah. And the, the group of parents, I know most of them's parents, and the last group we had that was super talented in there was two years ago, uh, and I'm not taking anything away from the class of 2023, but the class of 2022, just in softball, uh, we had two teams then uh, in the third grade, uh, Destry, my son, coached one, and Shane uh, Bar uh, uh, Stallings coached the other one. And out of that group of girls, uh, we had five of them that got scholarships and two of them could have got scholarships but they got academic scholarships you know taylor uh uh, uh what, what was her name uh randy first name was taylor her brother plays talking about uh, taylor simmons she, taylor simmons right anyway taylor got in the 11th grade and she got a scholarship to alabama so rather than playing her senior year she went ahead and uh started working on her academic uh, thing and taking courses online, though. And uh, uh, the little Stalins girl, she could have got a scholarship uh, to anywhere, but she wanted to go in nursing school, and uh, she set up to go to UAB already. So we've got a group of, uh, of uh, talent here this year, but if you look back, I've worked with the parents on both of them, and every group of good athletes you have, they have a super group of parents working. They're always at the concession stand. They're there when you're clearing the field, painting the field house, or whatever you want to do, they're there to do it. And, uh, of course, yeah, you, you, the, uh, you're you the the athletic director at Holly Pond. What is your main title there, Brett? Uh, Coach Neal? Well, I'm when I think about titles and things like that, yeah, I, I don't put as much stock in that title when you compare it to when you see different stories and uh, things uh, about college athletic directors and the, it seems like the power and authority and hiring and firing and how they direct the program. I, when I look at my role, I am basically just overseeing the administrative side of player eligibility, that the coaches have met all their requirements through Dragonfly and the High School Association, and just following up uh, with, you know, each one. If there's somebody that's lacking in that regard, I communicate that. And I, I, I leave it on the coaches to take care of those, but on my end, I, I will be sure to communicate if someone is missing or lacking a requirement in regards to eligibility because I do not want to see our school 
suffer as a whole uh, with unnecessary fines or any kind of probation or anything in that regard. So I'm just uh, a watchdog and kind of the oversight person in regards to those issues. But they call you the athletic director. Is that the official title? That's the title. But like okay. I said, it's, it's just for me, you know, some would even joke and say it's the dragonfly facilitator, which I, <laughs> I would say that's pretty accurate in that regard. Uh, but it's one of those where you are in an administrative role when it comes to the athletic side. People recognize the principal and assistant principal as administrators, but then I get added into that mix when it comes to the athletic side of things. Well, just tell them you're the main organizer, and you I don't care what kind of talent you have, coaching or player talent, if you don't have a good organization and it's not organized, then it's not going anywhere. So. Give Every yourself day. a pat on the back anyway, Coach. Yeah. It's just one of those things where I'm, I've always been uh, one to try to pay attention to details and be very organized. And I remember uh, when I was approached about taking on the role that that was the word used, uh, you're very organized, so we think you would be a good fit for this. And... I'm a Holly Pond person through and through, uh, especially when it comes to the athletic side. So it was it was actually a, a good opportunity, and I, I consider it a blessing to serve in that capacity. It's nothing to look for any kind of great accolades. It's all about the kids and our programs and the coaches that put all the work into it. And I just want to, you know, play a small part in making sure that runs smoothly. Well, before I turn it over to Randy, me and you've talked about 45 minutes, but before I turn it over to Randy, I would like to say that uh, you carrying on a tradition at Holly Pond. Uh, I played ball with uh, Wayne Neal, which was your uncle back in the 64, and uh, the families, uh, the Neals, I basically moved from Blunt County over here, uh, but uh, the Neals has been around all 60 years at Holly Pond, and you're just carrying on a tradition with the sports program. One, one of many nails, nails, N E A L. I'll get it right. I, I get it confused, Greg Nail and, and uh, Neil, but anyway, uh, I know Wayne was a very good athlete in, in the 60s growing up here in Holly Pond. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I remember what we'll see, and I watched Jason uh, play, you know, and well, that's some of my earlier memories of watching some sports here. And so it it's one of those things I've just always been connected to, and I I know it's a special place. And I, like I said, it's just one of those things I consider it a true blessing to get to carry it on. And, and right now, Molly's going to get to carry on a tradition for a while, ain't she? Yep. Yep, there you go. Uh, Randy, if you got something, hey, if you got something to say or you want me to keep talking? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're pretty much out of time. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay. They uh, are picking up from where we left off uh, 50 minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> the 
when you get when you get into August, let's talk about your process. Or right, you've got your summertime rosters, everything ready for all the play dates. Now we've got to get into the regular season. We got to get your football roster uh, on on the Alabama High School Association side. Now that shows up in both Dragonfly and also is it SBL Live, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes. And I know I know the SB Live has the better printout. I can tell you that. The Dragonfly <laughs> one, the Dragonfly one. It doesn't matter how many different ways you try to format it. You do not get the entire roster. I can tell you that. Um, <laughs> and then um, also you're going into volleyball season. The roster's got to be ready. You've got to have your roster ready for cross country. Um, let's talk about your August trying to get all this prepared before uh, those seasons begin. Well, I know first thing is uh, – going to the individual coach we i mean we have a coaches meeting so we lay out uh, you know all the ground rules and the expectations and uh, procedures and all the things and a lot of it's pretty standard year in year out but i go to the individual coaches in this case coach mason uh, coach adams and coach cuz and request that they send me a roster uh, at least where, where they're at at this point. Uh, like I said, with football, it, it can be a little more uh, fluid and have some changes uh, in that regard. But, you know, volleyball usually set and cross-country people and, and he, Coach Cuz might have one or two that might be ready to join once school starts. But they submit the roster to me. And once they have a roster, I go through and first of all, make sure that they have a dragonfly profile. There's some that end up falling through the cracks, especially uh, if they are middle school uh, student athletes. I know that uh, volleyball, JV volleyball, has uh, a couple that, uh, of course, eighth graders playing on the JV. So I have to be in contact with Danny Weaver uh, assistant principal and AD for the elementary and middle school. And so he makes sure that those profiles are transferred over to me where I can see them on my side. And there's, you know, one or two that may be uh, without a profile, like they didn't get it put in or they've got something pending that needed approval for whatever reason that I may not be able to see it then we have to follow up on that. But at that point, once I have the roster in front of me, I can go through and check and see where they are, of course, academically, and then sportsmanship test, uh, birth certificate, pre-participation, uh, physical, the actual physical evaluation, uh, concussion, and then student uh, participation and consent forms that are year in, year out, and then, of course, the Coleman County uh, Athletic Insurance form that has to be completed before they are considered completely eligible. Now, looking at it, there's always, uh, you know, a time crunch when you are supposed to have, and this is according to the state, 
you are supposed to have a roster submitted, like all players uh, be principal certified and rostered uh, the day before the first contest. And that's why that, you know, with football fast approaching and volleyball on the same token, those will get priority for me and looking at those athletes to see anything that they still lack or any kind of issue that needs to be addressed. Now, you had mentioned concussions. There, there's a little, con- there's some confusion there. Um, is there a limit the amount of, of, I don't know how you would say it, um, actual concussions a player can have before they are no longer able to compete? I'm not aware of a specific number. I know Jordan would be probably one that I would uh, turn that question to in regards to him being our trainer. But I know that some have probably suffered, you know, multiple over the course of playing. And I know that the severity comes into play as far as, you know, the uh, effects, uh, you know, with some, if it's, you know, to a certain degree, they're going to be sitting a, a longer period of time because they have to go through the concussion protocol and I know that form has to do with understanding. I don't think it mentions anything about a number okay. or anything in that regard, but understanding, you know, the ramifications and, you know, how important, you know, protection is and liability issues and that the trainer and doctors will, you know, ultimately get a tremendous amount of say in all that. that ultimately, you can even say the final say when it comes to, putting that player back on the field. All right. Let me ask you this. Let's say that uh, Ron has had his, he's sent off, he's got his doctored up uh, birth certificate, and it shows that he is, he will not turn 19 years old until uh, the end of September. Uh, When you're checking dates, you have to, you have to look at that on the birth certificate uh, when they're the birth, I guess the first time they're they're entered, is that correct? Well, I know with it being a student uh, having access to Power School, I can pull up a student directory and look at student demographics and can pinpoint uh, ages even outside of just the athletic realm. So I could at least put a filter in to figure out if there's anybody that would be in danger of the age uh, issue and requirement in regards to eligibility. So that way you would cut off any problem we might have when Ron dresses out to play on the defensive line and he makes a big play and Destry's yelling from the fence over there, way to go, daddy, way to go, daddy. And... Is that way, that way, that's kind of uh, cut off. That there's, it really limits that possibility of some of the things that's happened. Uh, we'll say, um, uh, we'll just say about maybe 25, 30 years ago. It's, this is more clear cut, being able to 
determine who is really of legal age to play, correct? Correct. And, yeah, there's a, there's a lot less of an opportunity for that to come into play as it was years ago. And, you know, it's the nature of electronics and being able to verify and confirm information on those documents and stuff. So, it, yeah, it's a, it's a lot more difficult to get by, and, you know, in that regard. Yeah, I remember when I played, there was a boy come up a year ahead of me, played a year after me. Now, I graduated young, I'll admit that. But he was also a year older <laughs> older than me when we played travel baseball. And I hadn't figured that one out yet. But somehow that, somehow that one slipped through the cracks. And not at Holly Pond, he played somewhere else. And uh, that was that was that was kind of the reason I was leading into that. It was it was kind of a, it was kind of a funny story. But, but Randy, there's an old saying that said, "You only break the rule if you get caught." <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh man, well I want Brett. We want to tell you we appreciate you coming on tonight and taking your time. I know tomorrow's a school day, and uh, you got to be over there with them uh y- y'all really missed out there was about 30 kids over here last night um just getting together and hanging out before the the school year starts and um it was definitely definitely f- interesting fun is you've got to ask just casually ask uh bradley butts and the tankersley boy um what was it that some of the other boys wrote on the back of their glass so their on their vehicle i th- i think you'll get i think you'll get a a good laugh out of that if they'll tell you <laughs> but i'm gonna leave that up for i'm gonna leave that up for you to ask them i'm sure you'll see Randy, them in the I hallway one more question Brett, you can answer it real quick in your talking to Randy, you said i can check and see if they've passed their sportsmanship test does athletes have to take a sportsmanship test yeah, and I don't see a score. I I simply see a certificate that they successfully completed and passed the sportsmanship uh, test given by the NFHS. Hmm, okay, I didn't didn't know they had one. I had never took one, but I okay. I, Brett, we thank you, buddy. Hey, 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 Brett, don't worry. I'll be in touch when I'm looking over the rosters, getting them ready to print out for us. And and uh, who's doing the PA this year in football? Have you heard? Is it going to be? Uh, that's a good question. I have not heard. I know that that feeler was put out, um, but I have not heard any response on that end. Well, y'all keep me informed because I'll need to print print off rosters for them also. So if you would, be sure and let me know who I need to give it to. I do that on the home games, uh, so I make sure I make sure they're covered also. And uh, but just just keep me informed on that, and and like I said, I'll be in touch. And uh, uh, when, when will you go? Th- you're you're fixing to go in and update the football rosters and get everybody's like their their cl- grade and everything and all that updated on some of the rest of them. Yeah, I've I've already put in some of that information, but like I said, there could be you know some additions, deletions here in the next couple of days. But mm-hmm. 
Coach Mason had provided me a, a numerical roster with classification, so uh, that that part in there should be accurate as of what the roster stands at, you know today. But then I will go in and get more specific information after I follow up with who's missing, you know what, in regards to eligibility. Yeah, I was glanced at one. I know there was. I know you were trying to rush and get some stuff on there and get it all ready before you left. And if you've got two or three more minutes, tell us about your trip. What parts did you really enjoy? It was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for you. Yeah, 6,650 miles later, uh, the Neal clan made it back to Alabama. We left out on July 3rd, heading west, and, of course, drove through uh, edge of Mississippi and Tennessee and through Arkansas. And once we got to Oklahoma, we stayed overnight. And for me, I was more interested in that first leg of the trip uh, just from, a, I guess, a cultural standpoint, especially after watching the movie Cars multiple times with young boys here uh, in having Route 66 stops. And we made several of those iconic places, uh, you know, just uh, stopping in the first, you know, two days of our uh, trip, but travel uh, down to Roswell. So I had the UFO experience, even though I didn't have a real experience of the, what they put on down there. But then uh, made our way into Arizona stayed with some uh, family friends there for a few nights, uh, just visiting different things in the greater Phoenix area. And then beyond that, uh, making our way up to the Hoover Dam, stayed in Vegas overnight. And the kids, I, I know I was taking a chance, but I wanted them to see what the strip looked like in regards to lights. And I know they were definitely impressed by the light show, uh, the different uh, places there. I know I was. And uh, then we got to visit Grand Canyon. Uh, matter of fact, took a train ride uh, there and back. Uh, but what one of the things that stood out to me is after we visited the Grand Canyon, you would think that that's supposed to be kind of the end-all, be-all place uh, there on the Arizona-Utah border was a place called Monument Valley. And the different formations there, and uh, director John Ford uh, had some of those uh, in movies from a long time back that you know were filmed and took the images from that place. That's one of the things that was more, I'll say, awe-striking uh, just seeing that and taking a scenic loop around that park, it was it was definitely something uh, worth seeing for anybody that didn't get the chance. But we come up through Utah and stayed with uh, family there in Idaho Falls uh, for eight days, and then that period of time visited Grand Teton, and then once we left there, of course, experienced Yellowstone and drove through Wyoming, <laughs> got to see pretty much most of that state. It's pretty big, and uh, a lot of a lot of roads that are curvy and going up and down hills, and of course, 
we experienced a little bit of motion sickness a time or two in that regard but that's the experience with traveling with uh, young ones a lot of times but then making our way into south dakota uh, of course uh, stayed overnight in spearfish but right there next door of course is deadwood and i was just taken back by the history and all that surrounds that place uh, one of my favorite stops uh, was visiting uh, mount moriah cemetery where wild bill hickok and calamity jane are buried and a few other uh, notable people of that area and time period but just you know seeing that and experiencing that and then of course driving through the badlands there in uh, southern part south dakota just unbelievable scenes uh, and my kids of course were taken uh, in uh, just loving and watching prairie dogs i mean that was their big thing and of course devil's tower of course iconic place uh, seeing that i mean it, you could see it for many miles away before you even got to the place and of course made our way uh, through iowa and over into northern illinois met up with some of sarah's family that lived there and we then of course made our way south and uh, my son boone wanted to really one of his big things on the trip was to go see the arch there in st louis so we ended up stopping there uh, did not go on uh, inside and ride uh, we were there a little bit before one and the next train ride was at like 4 15 and i was ready to get back home <laughs> there on july 28th and i said we've been we've been gone long enough so we ended up heading home getting here about 11:45 that night so for me i don't know what the impact will be in regards to the kids and the memories and what they'll have uh, and standing out in their mind but for me it was definitely uh, a trip of a lifetime well like i said we appreciate you joining us and didn't mean to take up quite so much of your time and uh had no idea ron was going to go off on a tangent on that <laughs> and uh but uh but anyway i uh, look forward to seeing you uh i know we got volleyball starting uh was it 22nd something 21st something like that and uh, and i'll look forward to seeing you then i know you'll be hanging out and and uh and then seeing you at the uh first football game and uh, absolutely and so appreciate what you and ron do for our community and our athletic program super support and i i do appreciate it i know that many would uh, chime in and say say the same especially for the number of years you've done it and just appreciate all the what y'all poured into holly pond and our athletic program hey anytime anytime you can get us a nil deal like ron keeps looking at or uh <laughs> or something yeah. hey you, you do realize this is my 30th year and i'm still making the same thing i did 30 years ago <laughs> absolutely zero i just get to deduct my mileage when i get him trained i get i get him trained Brad, he'll make money i i, I just <laughs> i i may i do i get to deduct my mileage because it's volunteer but that's pretty much it 
it doesn't quite cover the gas, but you know that's that's part of it. But again, hey, appreciate your time tonight, and uh, look forward to seeing you here. And I guess we'll see. I guess I'll see you Saturday at the. Uh, um, yep, and uh, if it's coming a thunderstorm, I guess there'll be a last minute rush into the gym. But uh, yep. but all right, we'll uh, we'll see oh, you. Bre- Bre- I'm going to tell you, I won't be there Saturday. I hate to miss it. I'm going to be at a Big Red One. It's Infantry Division meeting in New Orleans, so I won't be back till Sunday. But uh, I'll be thinking about y'all because I always love meeting the Broncos. Hey, and uh, Randy makes as much money as I do. (laughs) Yeah. But it's enjoyable. Yeah. yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll tell you about some of the funny stories sometime. <laughs> Half of them will be, have to be off the air, though. But, all right, we'll see you on, we'll see you on uh, Saturday. Saturday, Brett. All see right. you then. All right. See you then. All right, sir. Randy, we want to thank uh, Coach Brett Nail. Uh, he is the athletic director at Holly Pond for being our guest tonight. And, uh, I enjoy talking about uh, to different people about different things, and I'm glad he got to go on a trip out west and uh, share it with us. But, folks, we're brought to you by Talisa Shackles, your hometown alpha agent in Holly Pond, Walker Brothers in Bailiton for all your building supply needs, affordable tire and automotive, and uh, wealthy. That's Kelly Duke. Traditions Bank, a true community bank building bridges, financial bridges with all their customers. Traditions is located in Morgan, Winston, Coleman, and Blunt counties. Traditions Mortgage in Coleman, Kent, and Coleman. Holly Pond Animal Clinic in downtown Holly Pond, a hometown veterinarian providing both large and small animals. Citizens Bank and Trust, a small bank making a big difference. Hopper's Family Market and Pharmacy, dedicated to bringing their customers the best in grocery items, meat, produce, and prescription needs. Mullins Body Shop on Highway 31 South in Coleman, 24-hour towing, accident repair, painting. We are where quality is the difference at Mullins Body Shop. Merchants Bank of Alabama, the merchants way, discover the power of a great community bank. Randall Shedd, Alabama House District 11. He's a member of the House of Representatives, proudly serving Coleman, Morgan, Blunt, and 